Hello, and welcome to Furloughed, defining moments worth talking about. I'm your host, Leonard Cochran, and Steve Otterstrom is with me here today. And Steve, made it through the first week of work after being out for six months. And uh, so that was pretty fun. How was your week this week? Well, I feel like I, I worked, but I didn't do my first week of work. So I, I really am more curious about you, Leonard. <laughs> how was it being back? Did they treat you nice? Did you get bullied by any of the kids at school? How, how, That's right. How was, yeah. your, how was your week? Well, no, nobody stole my lunch since I am working from home. So it's it's all good there. Uh, but yeah, we're, we're working virtual, uh, working from our homes and, and eventually will be in the physical office for those of us that do work in the office. Uh, several of the team members are remote, uh, but I think all the team members that I have are in the office, although one office is in Memphis and the other is in Dallas. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but uh, yeah, it just uh, kind of the big excitement of the week was getting my email functioning on my phone again. Uh, so of course, yeah, yeah. So it, it just happened earlier in the day, uh, in the morning on Friday. And so I had email obviously on my computer, but it wasn't functioning on my phone. So no calendar reminders on my phone or any of the usual type things I'm used to. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then also some of the other software we use on a regular basis for internal communication was not functioning. And that happened Friday morning as well. So Friday was kind of the highlight of the week of getting everything <laughs> sort of working again. Well, so and- low, low pressure start to things. And, th- and then we did have a brief team meeting as well. So I did get mm-hmm. to meet my teammates. Um, so on, on my particular team, I'm reporting into a lady that I have worked with and for before. Uh, and one of my coworkers I've worked indirectly with, uh, or worked on some smaller projects with directly, I guess I should say. And then the, uh, the other two ladies I've never worked with at all. So it was an opportunity to meet them, um, quote unquote, face to face for the first time and get to know them a little better. So just a very easy dipping into the water. And I'm sure we'll be, we'll be full bore ahead before too long at all though. Yeah, I'm sure. And, and, you know, I think that's something that's worth pointing out to uh, the, our listeners as well is that it's not just that you're going back to work. Everything has been restructured in the time yes. that you were out on furlough. And so you're going back to a new job, to a new team. Everything's brand new. But I'm, I'm curious, like from an emotional perspective, there must be some sense of just intense relief. I mean, you, you've been out of work for six months now. Um, yeah. How, yeah. how does that feel to be, to be working again? You know, um, is right. it, is it just pure euphoria? Does it feel surreal? Is it, is it scary? <laughs> how how yeah, are you no, doing on that emotional side of things? No, I think you're nailing it right on the head, Steve, for, you know, a, again, just reminder, if somebody's new to our podcast where I, I work in the hospitality industry and of course, hotels have not done very well in the last six months, no matter where you are in the world. And so there's been a large restructuring within our training organization that I work in. And, uh, but yeah, ultimately it, uh, I think euphoria is probably a pretty accurate word for most of us. Uh, you know, because, uh, as, as you know, you know, we had our first 90 day furlough that then was extended to a second 90 day, but we lost, you know, by corporate announcement, we lost one in six team members during that middle period there. And you being one of them, Steve, obviously. Yes, I, I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I bet you do. <laughs> I won't talk too much about that. Uh, but then even as we returned, uh, there were some additional corporate team members that were not brought back. It was quite a small number, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, not near as significant, but still there were more. And so just that alone sort of gave the feeling of, um, you know, I, I, I made the cut, you know, I wasn't the last guy getting picked on the baseball team or whatever the emotion the, is. The that slowest zebra being chased by a lion. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the slowest zebra. Right. Just so I outrun you, I'm good. Right. Uh, so, yeah. So in that really is carried over to everybody that's back there and, and mm-hmm. to let's face it with everything that's happened, not only are we are excited to be there and excited to have a job, um, but we've got a lot of faith in the company we work for. Mm-hmm. And as we look at the org chart as it is today, it's definitely lean, but you can see the strategic placement of the team members being where they are. And it really makes a lot of good sense. I was sharing it with uh, 
uh, one of the managers that's a step or two above me today, uh, earlier in the day, and sharing how it just makes sense to see the team laid out the way it is. And obviously, lots of folks missing, but it really makes sense to see the way it's laid out. So mm -hmm. it really speaks well of the decisions that were made while we were out, you know, and I know I, I would not want to have been that decision maker, oh, uh, but they really neither. did a good job. They really did a good, good. job. Good. Well, I'm happy to hear you are doing so well, you know, and I, and I think everyone else is and, and, and for sure, for anyone who's listening, who's still looking for work, you know, <laughs> hold on, <laughs> your yeah. time will come. this won't last forever. Um, hard times, yeah. hard times, but there are op opportunities out there as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I've been fortunate during the period of the last six months that both my son and my son-in-law have transitioned into different jobs. And so, you know, certain industries, of course, are doing well during this time and mm -hmm. others like the hospitality industry, just not yeah. at all, you know, restaurant, yeah. hospitality and so on. Um, so it, it, it takes maybe some of us that are ingrained in the culture of, of those industries. It, it, it might take some creative thinking to find a right spot. And obviously not all jobs are open in the market across the board either. Um, but it, it's, you know, things, I guess maybe because I'm back, but things do seem to be picking up some, but it's just a very cautious move forward. I think uh, at least here in the U S it's a very cautious move forward and a trickling of jobs opening, I think as well. Right. I think that actually leads really well into um, our special guest that we have today, you know, someone who is highly creative. So um, yeah. this might be an opportunity to hear some creative thought. I don't know if creative thought on how to get your next career, but, but maybe um, how to, how to um, re-examine your outlook on things. So um, Leonard, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about who we have with us today? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Steve. So, uh, we're pleased to have with us Miss Sarah Steele. And so Sarah is a coach and a consultant and worked with a number of different companies. Uh, she's worked with L'Oreal, NASA, the FDA, John Hopkins University, and just a number of folks in coaching, consulting, different roles in working with them. And uh, I met Sarah just a few weeks back, not too long ago, and was able to do some uh, work with her on a, a small project that she was working on, had the pleasure of uh, just being a little bit of help to her, really. It was her project, but great time and great individual. And Sarah, as you'll hear quickly as she speaks, uh, she's got a British accent. And so she's straddling her lifestyle between the United States and between Britain. So, Sarah, thank you for flying in for your interview today. <laughs> thank <laughs> the you. The virtual fly-in. Yeah, I was straddling my life between the UK and the US. Now uh, that stopped, right? That's a massive change for me. I used to do that every six weeks back and forth. And I haven't, I've been grounded since March the 7th. Yeah, wow. absolutely. We definitely want to unpack that. So let's, for now, let's kind of put pause on that because I want to hear how that decision was made and, and how that all played out. If you would, just give us a little bit of your background. And first of all, of course, it is a little unique that you work on both sides of the pond as well. Mm -hmm. But before you even dive into career, if you want, uh, give us a little bit, uh, you know, how, how did you even come to the U.S. to begin with? Mm -hmm. um, and, and some information about yourself. And certainly feel free to fill in any of the holes that I might have left as far as talking about <laughs> your career in the learning world. Sure. So, um it's a pleasure to be here with both of you. You guys are so much fun. I am really looking forward to this. I um, I got into this. I was in, back in corporate, back in my corporate days after around my MBA time. I was I work for a news corporation, which is the Murdoch organization for those of mm -hmm. us of a certain age that remember that. And I worked in London and then I was sent on a posting to New York when I was 23. And then I was sent back to London and then I was sent to Los Angeles and then I was sent to Miami. And that's really what got me to the States, um, more to the point to South Florida, where I am now recording this from Palm Beach. I, it's really hard to give up those warm winters when you've had them. <laughs> As someone who grew up in a cold climate, it was just like, yeah, I'm kind of done with scraping ice off my car. 
<laughs> no. yeah. in the mornings. So that was really, I was, I left the gig in Miami working for, um, back then it was Sky TV. It's now Direct TV Latin America. They were headquartered down in Miami. And I went back and finished some studying, some MBA work. And of course, I still had friends here. So I would come over and visit. And just the more time I spent here, the you know, the more I liked it. And But I was still in corporate, so I was really just coming over on vacation. And then I ended up working for myself. I discovered neuro-linguistic programming. I'm a master practitioner of NLP, which completely rocked my world and changed everything. So, so well, go ahead. Go, since you threw that out, go ahead and unpack that just a little bit for us there. NLP? Oh, yes. Wow. Um, if you've never come across it, it will rock your world. And it's, I discovered it by accident. And I think literally the first weekend of the, of the basic practitioner course, I think I sat there and was just like, oh, so this is what I'm supposed to be doing. It was just like, I knew I'd found it, you know, and I'd found the thing that was my purpose that I was supposed to be doing. And I am so thankful for that. And I give my blessings every single day because one thing I know, no matter what the world or the pandemics throw at me, I am doing what I was put on this earth to do. And I'm awesome. absolutely clear. But yeah, and I know a lot of people don't find that. And so I'm, I'm really, really grateful for that. So I um, carried on on that, that studying and ended up doing my master practitioner. And then I went out on my, on my own um, to do what I wanted to do. And this is, you know, a huge decision, brave decision, um, scary decision. And that was really how I ended up doing what I'm doing. And then I thought, well, I like being over in the US. I like the warm winters. Um, why can't I do this? So that's what I did. And that was really what led me to start the path to be based on both sides of the Atlantic. And, and you've been at this for a little while, haven't you? I'm not trying to pin your age down. <laughs> I was going to say, now, Leonard, you know, a gentleman never asks a lady. But I do uh, know, Sarah, you do talk about starting in doing virtual training, remote training by way of Skype back in oh, the day and whatnot. Before so Skype. You, I mean, I was doing virtual coaching just on the telephone back yeah. before we even had that. And I remember when Skype first came out, how excited we were and how this was a game changer. You know, so that that's how old I am. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> For all those youngsters out there, once upon a time, there were these phones that didn't have videos. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you awesome. couldn't look things up on them. You couldn't listen to music on them. No. They were tied to walls. Oh, they were. Yeah. <laughs> there was long distance you had to be careful of. <laughs> uh -huh. Back yeah. in those days. So Sarah, uh, and so you ended up kind of working both sides of the pond, so to speak, and mm. do, doing your con coaching and doing your consulting with that. And um, so now you've you've sort of landed a little more in the U.S. because you're you're now married. Um, mm -hmm. and, and and then uh, so how talk a little bit about if you don't mind the, the decision on which side of the ocean to be on. Oh. Uh, um, I mean, especially in our in our current climate, you know, it's an election yeah. year. Some people may question your sanity. Uh, <laughs> you, know, you may be I questioning as well. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's true. That's true. Yeah. But um, but talk yeah. talk a little bit about the decision and what's involved because that's that's a major commitment. Even even just to choose to travel back and forth every six weeks or so. That's uh, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I don't own a plane, so that would be a little costly for me. It's an expensive decision. So, yeah. Yeah. So kind so, of talk us through that if you would. Yeah. And it was, it was a, it was a strange one. I, back when I made the decision, I'm going to go be based in the US and I'm going to make it in America. I was a lot younger. I was single. Um, life was a lot easier, you know? So I, and we didn't have the tech, remember, we didn't have the technology that we have today. Yeah. So if I wanted to be in the U.S. market, I really had to be here. Mm. I mean, I've still, I, I came digging out a, a, in a drawer the other day and I found old brochures that I used to send out of my courses. You know, mm. there was, mm. I know. and uh, Mail them out. Ooh. Remember? Yeah. <laughs> 20 <laughs> yeah. brochures. Yeah. So I, I kind of had to be here. 
And then of course you spend more time here and you get friends over here and then, you know, you meet somebody and before you know it, you know, there's always a boy involved. Um, (laughs) So before you know it and, and at the same time, and of course back then my parents were a whole lot younger. And as my parents have aged and bought everything that that brings along with it, I really went through a period of, well, where do I want to be? And I kind of coached myself through and I realized I don't want it to be either or. I want it to be and. Hmm. So how do I create this? So that really was what I set out to do. And if I wanted still to be there for my parents and I wanted, because I'm exceedingly close to my mom, I, this was just something that I had to do. I, I just had to make this. And don't get me wrong. I think we've spoken about this, Leonard. I've tried to go back to the UK a number of times. Mm-hmm. I've said, right, I don't want to do the flying any longer. It's, it's crazy. Just go back home. And this is before I met my other half. And Every time I've tried to do it, I've ended up spending more time in the States because you get a phone call from a client who says, can you do this for me? And you're like, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll go over and I'll do that. It's worth it. And then you get another one of those and then you get another one of those. And before you know it, you're spending more time stateside than you are in Europe. And it's just like, this just makes no sense. Mm-hmm. So um, I decided I really, really had to figure out a way of making it and rather than either or. Mm-hmm. And that was really what I set out to do. And it was fine up until March the 7th. <laughs> <laughs> that plan worked perfectly right up to March the 7th. And that's and March the 7th of the, this year, no doubt. Yes, yeah. March the 7th, 2020. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I find this so interesting, you know, from, from a couple of perspectives. One is just you coming to this conclusion of it's, some things aren't either or. That mm-hmm. there's an option of throwing an and in there. And, and the situation that you're up against is something that I think almost all reasonable people, and I'm not saying you're not a reasonable person. <laughs> oh, I try not said, to be. <laughs> okay, good, good. Would have said that this is really, you can't be in two places at once. That's always been how I've heard everything. You know, like you, the theory of relativity says <laughs> you can't you know be what? in two, two places at, at, at the same time. And yet you kind of, did that mm-hmm. yeah I mean it, it is it's slightly nuts I'll admit I mean the year I met my other half I think I averaged 19 flights a month that year and mm-hmm. some of those were transatlantic they weren't all transatlantic but some were and it, it, it's definitely got downsides right so building a relationship when you're never here I think I met him on the Tuesday and on the Saturday I was leaving for six weeks so it was like look I really like you Hold that thought. Don't see anyone else, right? Just hang on in there for me for six weeks. Put and a bookmark I, in it. <laughs> yeah. And then when I did come back, I'm like, oh, hey, I'm here for tonight, but tomorrow I'm flying off to Dallas and I'll be home in three days and stuff like that. And it was so it definitely had its downsides. It means that it's tough to go to any kind of networking event because you're never there every Tuesday mm-hmm. night. It's tough to make friends because you're just never around. Uh, so there's definite downsides, absolutely. Um, but there's also definite upsides. And it was really about saying nothing is ever perfect, right? Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to let perfect be the enemy of better. So what in this situation does not work for me so well? And what can I do to mitigate some of that and to make it as good as I can get it? And the other thing, Steve, that was really important in this decision, because it's not easy, is knowing your why. Right. Why am I doing this and holding on to that? And the why for me was I've my business is so much stronger stateside and my mother is the most important thing in the world to me. So mm-hmm. if I want those two to coexist, this is what I need to do. And I'm a terrible flyer, by the way. <laughs> I'm a bag of nerves. <laughs> and it hasn't got any easier. It doesn't uh, get easier every time you get up. It's... <laughs> No, it gets worse because the law of, pos- of probabilities, right? I mean, the more you're in the air, the more something can happen. Um, so, yeah, so it's it's really about just looking at it and going, what works, what doesn't? Well, and, and I think in this case, we can safely say that 
you ended up, it, it, it picked your man for you because no one else would have put up with it. So you found the yes. one man that would be like, oh yeah, I'll, I'll wait six weeks. <laughs> yeah, he is sweet and kind and and, and wonderful. Um, and that's, that's another really interesting, I know you say it in jest, but we're not used to being together 20, you know, every mm-hmm. single day of the week. <laughs> So, so that could help things prolong, right? <laughs> uh, so it's been really interesting in lockdown, yeah. Oh, my goodness. I'm sure. Well, I'm sure other people have had similar challenges. I mean, even, you know, for me, uh, and, and we, uh, you, I used to travel a fair amount, at least once a month, I think. There was twice a month I'd get out and go places um, and do, do travel. And then uh, when I stopped working for Hilton um, and when the pandemic hit, it's the same thing. My poor wife was like, oh, when are you going to go on another trip? Yeah. <laughs> I need some time for the heart to grow fonder again. <laughs> yeah. And it is, it's really weird. And, and the other thing I found with the not traveling, and this one took me by surprise, my sense of identity, because I know how to travel, right? I know how to do this. I have 19 flights a month. Goodness knows how many hotel rooms a month. And I've, I've got this, right? So all of a sudden, all those things that I knew a lot about, well, a good portion of what I knew a lot about and how to do really well, I've gone. Mm-hmm. And I there was something that happened the other day. And I think it was about, oh, that was right. It was about... I've always been one of those people that the minute I step on a plane, I, I pull out the wipes and I'm wiping everything down, mm-hmm. right? That all started when my mother had cancer and I have to go home every 10 days for her chemotherapy. And if I caught something on that plane, I was not going to be able to be with her through her chemo. Mm-hmm. So I was, I became paranoid. So I, and that just stuck with me. So I was always, there was something that happened and I go around this house cleaning switches after people have, you know, my husband left in the morning for work and everything else. And someone said to me, oh, you're really good at that. And I was like, yeah, it's just habit, really. You walk into a hotel room, the, the first thing you do is, is wipe everything down. And those habits, and that got me kind of reflecting. It's like all those things that I knew how to do so well, I'm no longer needing them. And it's kind of a bit of an identity crisis, mm-hmm. which is interesting. interesting. And which I think so many people who perhaps are changing careers, you know, those things that they knew how to do so well um, have been taken away from them right through so a lot of people are struggling not just with the practicalities of how to cope through this is that sense of identity as well that so many have uh, lost yeah yeah we've we've hit on that some in past podcasts sarah where we so much tie our identity to what we do especially mm-hmm. as as men i think it might be a little more common uh but it, regardless we tie ourselves to that and then when it's gone you know, kind of what do we have left? And that's that's a tough spot to be in. Especially so how, in this country, especially yeah. in the US. That's one of those European differences. Um, yeah, talk about that some if you would, yeah. That I notice if one of the first questions you're asked in the United States is what do you do? Mm-hmm. I have friends in Europe that I have known for many, many years. I could not tell you what they do for a living. I'm, I can tell you who they are as a person, but I couldn't necessarily tell you what they do to earn a salary. And I found it really odd when I first came to this country that one of the first things I was always asked at a dinner party or when I was introduced to new people was, what do you do? And I kind of was like, well, is that how you're judging me? You know, don't you want to know who I am uh, rather than just what I do? And that was one of those differences that really stuck out for me when I first started to traverse the Atlantic Ocean. So so what would one say in the UK then, Sarah? Hello. <laughs> oh, well, there we go. We can start with that. <laughs> All right. Touche. <laughs> well, so let's you a, go ahead, Steve. You bring up a really good point um, about the judgment too, because you know, your question was are they judging me by what by by what I do? Oh, and, yeah. and, I, mm. and I'm certain the answer is yes. We yes. are. <laughs> yes, and. We are. yes, and we're also judging you by whether what you do makes enough money. Yes. Yeah. Because if you were to say, oh, I'm a consultant, and we would say, hmm, are you the consultant that is 
unemployed and calling themselves a consultant or are you or, really or are you a consultant that actually has billable hours <laughs> and and now i need to dig a little deeper to find out whether or not you're worthy of my conversation and i think it's one of those things that culturally we really need to look at ourselves you know introspectively and say is is this really what we want to do is this really how we want to be as a culture mm, it's interesting yeah yeah it's it's so funny because we we really I, I, I never recognized that was an Americanism. We'll we'll say it that way, um, but it, you're you're so true. I mean, that is the absolute first thing I'm going to ask somebody just to start a conversation. You know, mm. I don't watch sports, so I can't talk about any sports teams. <laughs> uh, nobody cares about the weather. Well, somebody does, but not me. But anyway, so so it it, it just it makes me have to rethink. And I, I did. Uh, Somebody recently had talked about a couple opening lines to get conversation started. And so I literally made note of them because I thought they were brilliant. And uh, so after hearing this, Sarah, you've encouraged me to pull that list out and maybe put it into practice instead of just have a list in my pocket. <laughs> yeah. Something else, you know, something to find out who are you, not what do you do? Yeah. Yeah. So true. Hmm. Well, and, Let's go ahead. We've talked, obviously, about the pandemic and, and being on this side of the pond for a while and all that. So, yeah, let's let's talk some about that, because obviously your hand was forced on that. It was. And uh, I, I believe, if, if I remember from a prior conversation with you, you were in the midst of traveling as this wave of shutdown was beginning, it seems. <laughs> uh, so kind of kind of talk us through you know, where you are, what, where you were, I should say, what was happening. And then, yeah, the big, uh, did you flip a coin? Did you uh, thumb wrestle your husband? What did you do to figure out where you were going to be spending an unknown amount of time uh, until mm. all of this passed? Honest answer, how I, I cried many, many, many tears. Mm. You know, is if is the honest truth, I... Um, I traveled from the Europe back to the US on March the 7th and came back and you knew there was something going on starting. And I remember being a little bit extra careful in the airport, um, came home and the day, because obviously I, I watched the UK news avidly as well as the US news. And the day that it kind of dawned on me, I've got to decide where I want to be stranded was a rough day, if I'm really, really honest. And I don't have many emotional breakdowns, but that day I I sobbed on the phone to my mum and I was like, I come back if you break a fingernail. How am I not going to come back for the world's greatest pandemic? Um, you know, and I was just like, what if something happens? And... I kind of had to coach myself through this and all right, Sarah, you know, you've got the tools, you know, this, what would you tell a client? And so I really, what I realized was I had to get out of the emotion. And one of the big phrases in all the news programs at the time was follow the science, right? Just follow the science. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, what's the science? What's the logic here? And I decided that everyone was healthy at that moment. So why on earth would I chance even going one way without having to come back again? Why would I chance two planes, three airports, three trains to get home and maybe take something home to mum and dad? Mm -hmm. So I decided, you know what, everyone's healthy. Unless there's a need or a reason to go back, just stay put. Now that said... <laughs> We only thought it was going to be for a few weeks, right? Yeah. Um, in hindsight, would I have done anything different? Yes. In hindsight, I would have gone back last month for a visit. Mm -hmm. Whilst in England, the days were still light. We could still sit outside. We could still have the windows open. Whereas now we're getting to the point that if I go back, we're going to be closed in three o'clock in the afternoon in middle of winter in England. It's, you know, you're, you're indoors. Yeah miserable weather uh so and my mom and dad you know they're in a small two-bedroom with one bathroom so i that was really how i made the decision it was just just telling myself sarah you know what the emotional pull is but 
logically does that make most sense right now? Uh, so I just decided to hang tight here, um, stateside, because that's where I was. And I've been here ever since. Well, e- even even your language and talking about the decisions there, I find interesting because you, you literally said, if I'm going to be stranded, yes. which side do I want to be stranded? <laughs> so it's not a matter of if I'm going to be staying somewhere for six months or no. three months, two months or several weeks, like you said, initially we had no clue. And I, I'm not yeah. even sure we have more of a clue now. No. Um, but the fact you use the term stranded certainly speaks to your emotional state. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I'm in Palm Beach, Florida, so it's not exactly a hardship posting, you know, I mean, seriously, Sarah, (laughs) get a grip, you know, but yes, it is because one of the strategies I always had, one of the things I struggled with, with this dual life that I led on both sides of the Atlantic, there were many challenges. One of them was saying, I was always saying goodbye to somebody I loved at an airport. Uh, I was either saying goodbye to my mum and dad, or I was saying goodbye to my husband for six weeks. So one of the strategies I learned really early on, because I I realized that actually saying goodbye to people and getting upset kind of sucks. I don't like this, doesn't work for me. So what else could it be? And I decided that what I needed to do was focus on who I was going to be saying hello to rather than who I'm saying goodbye to. Hmm. And I decided that that was a much more positive mindset to have. And it and it did. It really did work for me. Uh, and that's something I've always, always done. And I've often asked myself, because I also hear myself use this phrase, stranded Leonard. And I've often asked myself, if I was in the UK, what would I be saying? Would I still be saying I'm stranded? And I think I probably would because I'd still be stranded away from my husband, right? So it's, it's, uh, there's, there's no perfect solution to this situation. It's just about making the best of what it is. You know, and it's really interesting. I've, I really enjoyed hearing the way you talk about perfect, actually, <laughs> um, here and, and I think in other places as well, like um, perfect being the enemy of better. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it sounds like that's something you've really kind of put into place here. Um, mm-hmm. That So what is the better that, that perfect would have tried to take away from you had you tried to make this situation perfect well it's also the risk reward analysis that goes in with that you know i mean the downside is mum gets covid and that's it right so the 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 risk is (laughs) so great right so that that's what you want to avoid so perfect would actually be my parents coming here for the winter where we can sit outside we can have more space they're less likely to catch something Uh, so that would be perfect but that's that's not going to happen. So it's um, just because they, they won't fly. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At all. Hence why it all suddenly <laughs> makes sense, right? So why I'm doing the flying. Plus, of course, at their age with my mom's medical history with the cancer, um, the cost of health insurance for them in this country is greater than the cost of flights. So yes. it's, uh, it becomes um, prohibitively expensive from that perspective as well. Yeah, so you would have the issue of, of the they they couldn't be here safe because they wouldn't have the access to healthcare unless they were able to you know sell their souls and, and <laughs> yeah <laughs> exactly so it's uh, and they're comfortable where they're at so it's just it's just about you know the biggest thing is right now is just got to be keeping everybody safe it isn't perfect but you know what it isn't perfect for anybody right now. Yes. It's, 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 I was saying this this morning to somebody because, you know, we decided that Christmas is probably cancelled in my family this year. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, we, yes, it sucks. And it's going to suck for every other family on the planet almost, right? This is not just mm-hmm. us. So what we've decided to do is that the, the steel women are going to rock this COVID Christmas. And we are going to make it happen. And we've made a list of all the things we normally do for Christmas because I'm always home for Christmas. The deal with my husband is I'll always be in America for Thanksgiving, but I'll always be in England for Christmas. And so we, me and mum made a list of all the things we normally do for Christmas. So Christmas shopping, putting up the decorations, Christmas dinner. And we've just decided it's not perfect, but better than doing nothing. We're just going to figure a way to do it. So I'm going to talk my mum through, and I say this laughingly, setting up Zoom on her computer (laughs) so that I can share the screen with her, my end, and we can still go shopping together. 
we can do Amazon shopping. She can sit there with her list of everything she wants to get everybody. And we can still go on the shops together and find it and arrange for it to be delivered to wherever it needs to go. So Christmas lunch, obviously, we'll both have our computers up and we'll do Christmas lunch. And putting up the Christmas tree, we've just said, well, we're just both be on Zoom and we're both put up our own Christmas trees. So we're just finding ways to make the best of a bad job, right? Well, and that goes right back into what you said earlier when you talked about you had either or and then thought for a moment, well, how about and? Yep. <laughs> and, and it looks like looks like uh, if there's if there's a constant, your values and your personality, you're finding a way to put those in to everything you're still doing, even when reality should say this can't happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I've been told that since I was a little girl, you can't do. <laughs> it didn't work then either. Sounds like you've been told that you've never heard it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, and it is. And it's just because I think it was the NLP training really that kind of kicked it in. It's just like I might not be able to make it perfect, but can I make it better than it is right now? If, if, if I'm at a four now, can I make it a five? Can I make it a six? Uh, so just those little things that you can do to make it as good as it can be. Well, and what I like so much about it too, Sarah, is we get caught up. I don't know if it's just a human problem or just exactly why, but we, we tend to have binary thinking. Everything is either yes or no, black or white, either or. And it and again, kind of you've you've come up with this, and we could do this, you know. And mm -hmm. you you you've worked around a lot of a lot of things that would. Uh, way heavier or cr I don't that's not fair but it, it might would crush somebody because they couldn't see an option and somehow you've been able to find options and make yeah things work. no you're right and it's also Leonard about how you choose to see it because especially mm -hmm. in times of adversity and times of what else does the universe want to throw to me right now you know um yes. it's it's about looking at it and going okay this situation has happened I, am, I may not be in control of it, but what I am in control of is how I choose to see it and how I choose to feel about it. So what is going to work for me slightly better? I'm not saying I can feel fantastic about it. You know, am I, am I happy that Christmas has been canceled and I haven't seen my mum since March the 7th? No. Mm -hmm. And sitting in that place of woe is me, misery, is only mm -hmm. going to send me in a downward spiral that's not going to be good for me certainly not going to be good for my husband because happy wife, happy life, right? And it's certainly not going to be good for my mom that every time she talks to me, I'm miserable about the whole thing. Yeah. So I kind of also have a responsibility because we have the we have the ability to raise or lower the average of the mood in the room. Mm. All of us do. Mm. So That's do good. I want to be responsible for lowering the average of the mood in the room or do I want to be responsible for raising the mood in the room? But even more importantly than that is – in these times, these different times that we will find ourselves in, I may not be in control of the pandemic, but what can I control? And how else could I see this that would make me feel just a little bit better about it? Yeah. Uh, so that's really something that I, I try to really truly live by. And now that does not mean, please do not for a minute think, I don't have my moments. I, I absolutely do. Mm -hmm. That I sink down and I end up in this spiral of woe is me, it's not fair, everybody's against me and, you know, all of that jazz. Absolutely, because we're all human. But the point is, do I, do I unpack and stay for vacation in that place or do I realize I'm there and, and, and start the work to just start to reframe it, see it differently and therefore feel differently about it right you know it's it, i think one of the things that strikes me really to be one of the most profound things and and it goes into exactly what you're saying is you talked about how difficult it was for you to say goodbyes and how you know <laughs> either you were saying goodbye to your husband or goodbye to your parents and neither one felt good mm -hmm. and and so you you shifted your focus to um the hello that's on the other side. And it sounds like that that's not just when you're on a plane, but that's also how you deal with just the challenges that you come up with in life or come up against in life that, you know, change means something is dying or something is disappearing. Mm -hmm. It's the nature of change, but it also means that there's something new that's being born. There's something new that you can 
you can say hello to or be excited about. And, you know, I think what I found so profound about this, and it's just kind of to make it a little more personal on my end, I had a conversation with my father um, about a week ago. Um, and, you know, he's he's not a young man anymore. And, and he's had some health problems. And he's certainly not at death's door, but he, he brought up that he was aware that his time is limited. And he said to me, you know, I just choose to believe that I'm going to see those who passed before. Now, for me, I'm not a person of faith or anything. And so I was kind of like, well, okay, well, <laughs> that's not the way I see the world. But at that moment, all of a sudden, it made sense to me. Mm-hmm. You know, that if you can find the hello, and if you can find it, even in those moments that things are that, you're looking at, at, at that level of, of challenge ahead of you, that that is really the antidote to to so much misery is to think it of what is. is the hello on the other side. Yeah. And whether that's a person or whether that's a new job or whether that's um, new skills that you get to learn and new people that you get to meet, uh, you know, because so many people have said goodbye to so much, whether it's a loved one, whether it's their identity of, of what they do, whether it's a salary and security, you know, whether it's um, the, their kids not being able to go to school with their friends. So many people have been saying goodbye to so much stuff that I think it's really important that we learn to be able to look at, okay, what's what can I be saying hello to going forward? And it's interesting what you say about, you know, if, if we think about the Kubler-Ross change cycle, the, the, at the very start of that, of that curve is labeled the ending mm-hmm. because the start of change is when something has ended. Then we go through the process and when we, when we kind of get to the end of that, of that curve, it's labeled the beginning because this is now the beginning of the new normal. Right? And the beginning of the next phase of change, because change is always coming. And I think the one thing that I think one reason for me that this is so important to during these times that we're having and people are being furloughed, because none of us know what's going to happen. Right. We just don't know. I don't think anybody knows. And even if we kids go back to school, well, next week, you know what? Your area could be put back on lockdown. In New York, they're going back into lockdown right now. In the north of England, they're going back into lockdown right now, right? So your kids could be back at home. So even this new may or may not be a permanent new. We don't know. So we've got to be able to roll with the punches a little bit through this. And otherwise, it's going to make our lives even more difficult. doesn't make it easy. I mean, there are, don't get me wrong. There are times that I, I just hate that I haven't seen my mom, that I'm sick of these four walls, that I'm sick of not being able to go shopping and all that stuff, right? But at the same time, it's about, I I can feel it, but I just choose not to stay there because it just doesn't feel good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I I like what you said about uh, in passing, you mentioned about not having a suitcase and staying there. <laughs> and that's, that's <laughs> yeah. you know, that's, that's really rich because we, we do, you know, it's, it's our human nature for some reason, or maybe, maybe those of us that our cup sometimes looks a little half empty. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, it's our, it's our human nature to kind of want to waller in it. And to your point, you know, we, there, there's a place for that wallering. I mean, we have to kind of accept where we are before we recognize there's a need to get up and move from where we are too, you know? Yeah. Um, but it, it is when we kind of pack the bags and by God, I'm miserable. And this is where I'm going to stay. <laughs> and I'm going to stay dangerous. here, dang it. Yeah. <laughs> and nobody's going to change my mind. <laughs> and there's some level of comfort there, right? There's some level of this place is comfortable because yeah. sometimes it's better the devil you know than the devil you don't. Right. Uh, so it is, uh, and because change is scary. So I'd rather burrow down and, and pretend that it's, it's all going to go back to how it used to be rather than face the reality of, yeah, I might have to retrain, I might have to cut back, I might have to, you know, um, deal with homeschooling the kids, Lord bless you, you know, for another few weeks. So, yeah. Wow. This has Good been, stuff. A, I feel like a just a super rich conversation. <laughs> and, yeah. um, you know, and I say this, you know, on other podcasts sometimes where I'm, what I'm most excited about is listening to it again, you know, even though I've just listened to it now as we've gone through it, but going back and really kind of unpacking these things. And I, I just want to um, 
hit a few key points that I, I found to be very useful. And I'd be curious for anyone listening to this, if you got something different out of, of, of some of the things that Sarah shared with us, you know, that first off, looking at the either or, and we have so many positions in life that we say, is it this or is it that? And, and I think almost every decision, we have a tendency uh, to do that. And we don't ask ourselves, is there an and in here? Is there, is there a way to incorporate both things? And I think, especially as, as Leonard and I have, have spent some time really studying collaboration, and we even talked about collaboration on an earlier uh, podcast, that it's that and that is the space where collaboration actually happens. And you come up with something that's completely new. It incorporates some of the other thoughts and ideas and, and create something better. And that brings to the other point that I really love that I brought, uh, I'd like to highlight again, and that is the concept of perfect. <laughs> the perfect mm-hmm. really shouldn't be our goal. The better should be our goal. The perfect is is the enemy of better. And, and I think perfect in many ways is, is, is just a myth. It's, it's something that says there is a way to do everything right and has no bad consequences. And better is really a better <laughs> thing for us to go at. And then another thing that I put a star around was, was question why. And, I'm, and as I look at that, I, I obviously was really struck by why. I start it twice, but I can't remember what it was at this point <laughs> that you said about why. Um, would you mind uh, if you can remember what it was that uh, you brought up with finding the why, I think is what you said? Yeah, I think it was around because sometimes things aren't easy, right? So it's about looking at realizing why? Why am I doing this? So why did I choose to create a life on both sides of the Atlantic that involves lots of travel and um, lots of aggravation and two homes and everything else that goes with that? And the why was um, my mom. You know, I my, my business is booms in the United States. This country has been very good to me. I'm a dual citizen. You know, I worked hard to get that status. Um, and my mom is on the other side of the Atlantic. So my why is I'm doing this so that I can both have my business and I can spend quality time with my mom and my dad, of course. But we all know that we love our mothers more, right? (laughs) (laughs) You may say that. I couldn't possibly comment. (laughs) Us dads get that, right? (laughs) I think we know. (laughs) We're fun, but we also smell funny, and uh, <laughs> your cooking's not as good. Our cooking is just just rubbish. So, I think I think we, we won't be too terribly hurt uh, by that. And oh, um, but I think, and then the final thing is just that, and and for me, this was really the most profound, and, and something I would like to spend more time just pondering on is is thinking about where are the hellos on the other side of the goodbyes that we have to face. And uh, we don't have a choice. The, the goodbyes have to happen. And, and there's actually a little bit of a, a sad beauty in the goodbyes that we have to say. But we need to remember there is a hello on the other side and not lose out on that. So mm-hmm. thank you very much. This is a beautiful um, <laughs> conversation yeah. that we've had. And I, I've really, really enjoyed it. Uh, Leonard, was there anything you wanted to add? Yeah, no, Sarah, I, I, I just, like Steve said, I just echo it and, and appreciate it as well. The the big nugget that I, that I wrote down here is is just what he talked about with the perfection. You you made comment that you were not going to let the perfect, let the perfect keep you from better. Mm-hmm. And that is so rich. We, uh, you know, we look for some kind of utopian thing at times. And really, if all we need to do is just a little bit better than what we're doing and uh, be happy in that and just the the hello and all those other things. So some great nuggets there, Sarah. So thank you for uh, sharing your story, at least brief part of your life with us and, and very with welcome. our audience. That's fun. <laughs> so rich. Well, thank you. We're glad we're, glad we're fun. And mm-hmm. I think I, uh, one other thing I just want to quickly say for anyone listening, Sarah actually does do this for a living. Yes. So um, <laughs> if, if uh, you or your organization could um, use someone who has – a tremendous ability. In fact, I was watching a YouTube um, video, a little of little clips of, of your presentations before um, before I got on the call here. Uh, I, I got the feeling that she is someone who can really bring your team together and clear the weeds out. 
Uh, Sarah, is there anything else you wanted to add on that front or any other? No, I mean, as you said, I, I work with both teams, but I also do a lot of one-to-one coaching, mm-hmm. uh, which all happens virtually. And a lot of people are, you know, people, a lot of people going through a lot of change and they're like, how do I, how do I do this? Yeah. So a lot of people in new jobs, a lot of people trying to figure out how they get a new balance, if the kids are now at home or whatever is going on. Uh, so yeah, not only the, the training side, which can all happen virtually, and I've been doing it for years, but also that that one-on-one coaching to help people through these times as well. And obviously the best place to reach you, Sarah, is sarahsteele.com. So of Absolutely. course, S-A-R-A-H-S-T-E-E-L-E.com. And we'll be sure and put that in the show notes as well for you, Sarah. Thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you, gentlemen. All right. Thank you so much. And uh, Steve, before we wrap up, I know you wanted to share, in fact, it, it kind of dovetails into what uh, Sarah was talking about not having Christmas this year. Uh, so do you want to share a little bit about what Upwards sure. Unlimited is doing with virtual Christmases or virtual holidays for that matter? More, more information to follow for sure. But uh, Upwards Unlimited is currently putting together um, a, uh, well, a very, uh, semi-small, it'll be probably about a a half hour to 45 minute, completely free uh, training on how to host a holiday event, a virtual holiday event. Uh, This is our way of saying Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Thanksgiving, (laughs) and to uh, give an opportunity uh, for you to uh, get some, some best practices from some folks who myself included in this, <laughs> are some actually pretty darn good virtual facilitators uh, who would love to share some tips and tricks that will make your holiday virtual experience better for you. So uh, more information to come on that. Uh, we are um, I'm actually finishing up uh, the final touches on that this weekend. So please listen next week and we'll have information on how you can register for one of these classes. Again, they're, they're completely free. Uh, a great opportunity for you to get some great ideas for how to connect better with your family during this difficult time. All right. Thank you, Steve. And of course, thank you to Upwards Unlimited for sponsoring our show today. Again, that's Upwards, W-O-R-D-S, unlimited.com. As always, they are our sponsor and they can help you and your team improve your conversations, connections, collaboration, and community. And once again, folks, give us a shout. We'd love to hear from you. If there's anything that resonated from our conversation today, you can reach us at furloughedmailbox at gmail.com. Always love to hear from folks that listen to us and love to hear your stories as well. Until next week, we'll say goodbye and be safe, everyone. Bye-bye.